أعوذ بالله من الشيطان الرجيم بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم الحمد لله والصلاة والسلام على رسول الله وعلى آله وصحبه أجمعين السلام عليكم guys okay so I want to start off today with like the biggest questions that were ever asked by all like philosophers and thinkers and people of like wisdom and these three questions were like you know for them a big discussion, so many books were written, so many discussions were basically take, take, took place because people were confused. They wanted answers for these three big questions. So what are the three big questions? Where did we come from? Number one. Why are we here on this earth, right? And number three, where are we going? Okay. And, you know, alhamdulillah, as Muslims today, through the Quran and through the teachings of the Prophet ﷺ. Do we have answers to all three? Yes. What do you think? Yes. All three? Yes. Are you sure? Yes. Okay, so where did we come from? Allah. Allah, that's easy. Where are we going? Hopefully to Jannah, yeah? <laughs> yeah? Wishful thinking, yeah? Alhamdulillah, inshallah. But we're going back to Allah, right? We all came from Allah and we're all going back to Allah. That's this is something that we're so clear about. But you know what I think Shaitan's biggest trick is? Shaitan has confused us about why we're here. And even as Muslims, right? We have so many different versions of why we're here. If you think about it. Who can give me examples of what someone might think we're here for, like a Muslim. Do some Muslims think that we're here to pray, fast, you know, give zakat, do hajj, and then die? No, not just that. But some people live their life like that, don't they? Yeah. They think that that's what life is about. And then besides, and some, some live their lives thinking that we were here to make money, eat, drink, sleep, Go to the bathroom, get married, have babies, go to school, graduate, get a car, buy a house, or rent a flat, and then die. Do, pe do many people live like this also? Yes. Yeah. So what, what do we call these people? Let's give them a name. Stupid. Really? Stupid? Now let's be a bit nice to them. Okay, worldly. So there's one group... So the worldly people, okay, who would think that it's just about the world, right? Worldly, yeah, thank you, okay. And then the two people are the, let's call them the worshippers, who think this life was only about fasting, doing athkar, reading salah, reading Quran, and fasting again, doing some umrah, doing hajj, going for umrah again, going for hajj again, going for umrah again, right? So let's call them the worshippers. Okay? What are other versions of why people think we're here? There's this other version of Muslims who are here to bring back the Islamic State. They think, they think the objective of life is to bring back Sharia law and to establish the the caliphate basically bring back the you know the khalifa of the muslims and for muslims to take over the world and to free palestine 
and to you know liberate humanity from the injustice of the kuffar and does that version of people also exist yes, yes or no yes. okay so what do you call those what do you call those people who think our objective in life is to bring back no let's give them a nicer name you know No, let's be a bit more specific. Extremists? Oh. I mean, I, I won't mind being extremely, you know, connected to Allah. It's, it's nice, right? To be extremely enjoying your salah. To be extreme, huh? This guy is too general, right? Because, so let's give them another name. Uh, let's call it... Uh, angry? Those who are angry? Because they're not happy with life today. They want to do something. They're not angry? What about... Uh, what about revolutionists? Yeah? No, but I mean, that's the mentality, right? Let's... let's uh, or resistors. Those who don't accept reality, they want to resist. They want to change. Rebellions? I think, I think revolutionist is a nice word. What do you think? Because they want to re revolutionize the world then. Okay, so revolutionists. Revolution. These are people who like to like, participate in strikes and um, are constantly like, you know, raising their voices and no, we will not accept this and they're always talking about their rights and all of that kind of stuff, okay? Um, they're very passionate about like issues to do with Palestine and you know Syria and conflicts and so their life is all about conflicts okay they love conflicts actually conflict is another nicer word I think what do you think yeah slash conflict revolution and these people end up in jail right they end up being locked up they end up being killed in the masses okay these people, they love conflict. They love... Conflict lovers. Yeah. So are there other versions of people or Muslims why we're here? What do you think? So worldly worshippers, revolutionists, conflicts. What about those people who... They're not really doing anything for the world, right? Nor are they worshipping, nor are they interested in this. Let's give those people a lot, like a lost or zombies, you know? The, the bored, maybe. Lazy, bored, yeah? Useless, yeah, so. What do we give them a nice name? No. Aimless. What about bored and lazy? I like those two words, bored and lazy people. Yeah. Bored, lazy. Slug? Okay, uh, like zombies, yeah?
Do these people exist also? Yes. Yeah? Yes. So for the second question, why are we here? What would their answer be? I don't know and I don't care. Right? I don't know and I don't care. Who cares? Can't be bothered to think about those questions. It's just too deep for me. I'd rather watch some TV. I'd rather, you know, play a video game or something. Right? So these people are just obsessed with nothingness. Yeah, they're just bored. They're, you know, they're rejecting even like the present. Okay? So did I tell you this? Like, the difference between depression uh, or sadness, fear, and depression. Sadness is resisting the past. When, you, when something happened to you in the past and you can't get over it, okay? And you're like, why did it happen to me? How come this happened to me? Fear is resistance of the future. Oh my God, how am I gonna find a job? How am I gonna get married? You know? And bored, boredom is resistance of the present. When you can't stand being in this class, just so bored, right? You're resisting the fact that you're here, present. And depression is all three. When you can't stand the past, nor the future, nor the present, and therefore you go depressed, you start drinking, drugs, nothing works, commit suicide, end it. I can't have, I can't stand that anymore. That's the extreme case. Okay. So, any other versions of why we're here? I would add another group. All four? Uh, I would add like people who are actually searching. Why we're here, they're searching and don't have answers. Clueless. Clueless or I guess I think these people are clueless, right? They, they don't even they're not even looking for clues, these guys, right? They can't even bother to look for clues. But there's this group who are searching and they have like a lot of questions, but they don't have answers yet. What do we call those people? Seekers. Seekers? Hmm? Okay, so seekers. But, I mean, seekers is a nice word. I don't want to give them a nice word. Because if they were seekers and seeking the truth, they have the truth, right? Quran, everything is there. So these are people who are asking questions, but like, you, you show them Quran, they're like, no, 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 this doesn't make sense. Um... So these are usually agnostic, atheists, they fall in this category, by the way. Who have like these weird questions and they don't get convinced with anything. Right? No, they have a lot of clues, but about like messed up things. So what about doubters? They have a lot of doubts. They're like always critical and doubtful about things. Okay. Okay. Doubters. So you see the problem here? You see Shaitan's trick. He made like where are we going where did we come from so clear? Allah. We're going back to Allah. Everyone's in agreement with that guys, yeah? But why are we here? Like there's so many different versions. Is that a problem? 
Is that creating a mess in the Muslim world today? Is that confusing our youth? Is that one of the reasons why the youth aren't really interested in Islam? Because there's no clarity and they don't know who to trust when it comes to teachers. Parents are scared to send their kids to Islamic schools or madrasas because they're afraid they might be brainwashed into one of these. And they don't, like how can you tell? Can you tell how I think? Just by looking at me? No. Maybe by listening to me for a couple of years, maybe you'll understand how I'm thinking. But can I tell how Abdulaziz thinks? Do I know if he's a revolutionist? Or if he's a worldly guy? Or if, or if he's a zombie? Or if he's a do-, do I know? Can anyone know this just by looking at someone? No, right? So the question is, and can we judge anybody? No. We can't judge anybody. So that's, I think that's a serious problem. And uh, there's another serious problem. That I forgot my charger at home and it's, the laptop's going to die. That's a pretty serious problem also. But it's okay, inshallah. You got the three questions, right? Yeah. Okay. So, let's talk about this. The second question. I, I need to resolve this. Because, for me, this is really the objective of life, right? I mean, if I don't understand why I'm here, then how can I guarantee that I'm going to go back to Allah with Him being pleased with me? Do you, do you all want to go back to Allah? Question number three. Do you all want to go back to Allah being satisfied that He's pleased with you? Yes or no? So what question do we have to answer? Why we're here? It has to be crystal clear. Now if, some, if, I, if, like, if I tell you, وَمَا خَلَقْتُ الْجِنَّ وَالْإِنسَ إِلَّا لِيَعْبُدُونَ I quote you an ayah from the Quran. Allah says in the Quran, Surah Al-Dhariyat, I did not create the human beings and the jinns, except to worship me. And I tell you guys, answer to number two is, Ibadah. Done. You're all clear about this now? Yes? Ibadah. Why are we here? Ibadah. Why are we here? Okay, khalas. Write it in your exam. Pass the exam and you're done. Is there a problem with that? What's the problem? What is Ibadah? Right? What is ibadah? People have different interpretations of what ibadah is. And honestly, I'm telling you from, like, I'm being very honest with you. My definition of ibadah has evolved over the past three, four years. I'm not kidding. Yeah, if you asked me three years ago, I would have given you a different meaning. Today, it's different completely. It's revolving around the same thing, but alhamdulillah, I see more clarity. It makes more sense now. So that's what I want to share with you today. And let's have a discussion. Maybe you guys agree, maybe you don't agree. Okay? But at one point in time, I thought ibadah was about worshipping. It was about reading Quran and getting close to Allah and praying and read, uh, doing memorization of Quran and tajweed and adhkar. And you, know, you have your tasbih with you and you're just constantly remembering Allah and not being attached with the world. But then it evolved a bit. Then it came to... <coughs> A stage where it was about balance, deen and dunya, okay? And I think that's where, um, you have a question? Oh. So I think that's where like, I stand now, you know, this idea of balance between deen and dunya, right? All of us love balance, right? Okay. But even in the balance between deen and dunya, I saw a problem. The problem was, so on one hand, like when you say balance of deen and dunya, you have, on, on the one hand, you have deen, 
and you have dunya, right? Okay, and the idea is to balance the two. What I felt was that people were more inclined towards dunya than deen. Anyway, deen, deen was like, okay, I pray and I fast and I read Quran, but what's the connection between deen and dunya? There was no connection. Okay, so that was like old thinking, balancing between deen and dunya, which basically was uh, the way I used to teach it is, guys, you have to manage your time well. Okay, so go to school and study hard, be good to your parents, and don't forget to pray. Don't forget to make some time for Quran. Don't, don't forget to go to wise. You see, so this way what happens is, um, like if you look at, let me show you actually a picture to make this very clear to you. Okay? If you look at this picture, your life basically would be something like this. Okay? Where... The idea was, this is your objective of life. Your objective of life is to balance all of these. And you have dunya and you have deen. Okay? You have dunya and you have... What else? Deen. And you balance the two. Okay? Is it clear now? Okay? So the idea was, this is ibadah, guys. Where, you know, you got to balance everything. Dunya on one side and deen on the other. What, what problem do you see with this picture? Very good. It's more of dunya than deen. We're like kidding ourselves. We're making like a small portion for deen. And we're calling ourselves balanced people. Who are we trying to kid? Right? And isn't this the reality of many people today? Yeah. It's all about dunya, dunya, dunya. So the, the seesaw actually looks more like this. You know? And this is like... Basically we're trying to... So it's more like this, right? It's heavier on the dunya side, less on the deen side. Isn't that, is, isn't that the reality? Let's be honest, okay? Yes. So, the, so when I reached this stage, I was like, wait, wait a second, something's not right. Something is not right. I mean, it can't, ibadah can't be this. So this was all in my pursuit of the definition of ibadah, okay? What does ibadah mean? I need to answer because it's question number two. Then it evolved into this. Okay. Where before I was in the center and everything was just a compartment and I had to do extreme time management to be able to give time to every one of those in a balanced way, which was in a way impossible, right? In a way, it was impossible. And guess what? Living a life like this is extremely what? Extremely stressful. Why? Why is it stressful? Focusing on yourself. Very good. And and you got you know it's like a uh, someone who juggles. Been to the circus? How many compartments are there? Eight, right? Imagine you have eight balls and you're trying to juggle, 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 juggle. What's going to eventually happen? They'll fall. Maybe all of them will fall. Right? One falls, the other falls. You're like, you know what? To hell with this whole thing, right? And everything falls and you basi basically... And when it falls, what happens to you? You break down. You, you get stressed out. You get upset. You get angry. 
And other people get angry at you. Like imagine, like your family, you're doing well in school, whatever, but family, you're not giving it much time. They're going to get upset at you. You never spend time with us, Hassan. You're always out with your friends. You're always out at school. And so when people get upset with you, you get upset. And then you try to rebalance. You give more time to family. Friends are like, Hassan, what's wrong with you, man? You don't hang out with us anymore. Or you start giving less time to other things. So it's constant stress. And when you're stressed out, are you happy or are you sad or are you depressed? No one wants to be stressed, okay? So who wants you to be stressed out? Shaitan. So this model is actually shaitan's trick of defining what ibadah is according to balance. You see the danger? It looks very nice, right? And by the way, you'll see this diagram in many Western books about work-life balance and harmony in your life. Okay? And another thing that's dangerous about this, who's the center of your world? You. You, which means, what are you actually boosting indirectly? Ego. It's all about you. Okay? And Allah, okay, I'll give him one compartment here. You know? But it's all about me. It's my health, my job, my career, my family, my emotions, my volunteer job. You see? What's actually being boosted? Ego. Okay? Which is shaitan again, right? This is like shaitan's major, right? <clears throat> shaitan did a major in ego. So going back to this, Allah is the center of your life. I thought this makes more sense. Like, I mean, number one, it's going to make us humble because you are not the center of your world. Allah is. And number two, spirituality now all of a sudden is the core. It's not really just a compartment. And everything else becomes ibadah. Yes? Does it make sense? And you, you're going to manage how many roles now? Are you managing eight roles? One. Very good. What's the role? Your role is Allah? Abd. You're an abd. Basically. So you're, you're managing one role which is master-slave. Is that more peaceful now? Phew. No more eight balls to juggle, just one. Got to focus on it. And of course, you got to do everything else with this role in mind. So when you study, you're being abd and you're studying. So, it's become, so study becomes ibadah. Family-wise, emotionally, ibadah. Actually, emotionally, let's talk about it later. This was a question mark, okay? Which will take us to the next evolution, okay? So family, you're being abd. Work, you're being abd. Community, you're being abd. Socially, everything, you're being an abd. Okay? Does it sound nice? And this was probably my views maybe last year. But there was a big question in my mind. The question was, even with this kind of lifestyle, number one, is it practical? Is it practical? Is it easy to always like remember that you're Abd of Allah and or do we like tend to forget and it's it's more of like theory and fluff, right? There's no practicality in it. Right? Like how do you connect ibadah with work? How do you connect ibadah with community socially? Like it makes it's nice and theoretically, but practically speaking, there's a problem with it, right? Doesn't really seem to translate into actionable things in your day-to-day -day life. You guys hearing me? Yeah? Okay. And another thing was that emotionally, 
people were still not really happy with life. There's still something missing in life. And so if you look at all of these people here, right? The worldly people, are they happy with life? They're running after money and cars and houses and gadgets and entertainment. Are they really happy deep down inside? Do they have that peace, inner peace and happiness? What do you think? Temporary. It's temporary, so it's not long term, right? It's just temporary it's for a couple of hours and it goes away. So there's no inner peace and happiness here. What about the worshippers who are just purely worshipping? They they're broke. They're obese. They have health problems. They are messed up family-wise. Are they really happy? You see them in the masjid, front row. Hafid Qur'an. But deep down inside, is there inner peace and happiness? No, okay. The revolutionists, are they happy ever? No, they're always angry and sad and crying and complaining. Okay. What about the bored and lazy zombies? Are they happy? No, they're too bored to even think about their emotions. Right? The doubters, not happy, okay? So, this for me was like a key question that, wait a second, even with this life, even if I taught this stuff to you guys, will it really give you happiness and inner peace? I don't think so, okay? Right, do you guys agree or no? Honestly, let's be honest. Because it's, I mean, yeah, it's nice theoretically, but it doesn't really, Translates into anything. So, alhamdulillah, through you know reading and all of that and asking questions, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala like clarified some things to me, which I would like, and this is what I'm passionate about, right? It's clarifying things in my own mind and then helping teach this stuff to you guys, okay? So, so where did I reach now then? So, to, uh, a way to look at this is, I truly believe that all the answers to those three questions are available in Surah Al-Fatiha. I had like certainty in that, because there's something really special about Fatiha. What? What are some special things about Fatiha? Tell me. Okay, how many times every day? Yeah, you read them at least 17 times every day. What else? Why, why, is, why is Fatiha so important? It's first in the Quran, okay. Why else? Yeah, so it's, I mean, it's short. And usually short things usually are very concise and they cover everything basically. And I like, to, the, the way to look at Fatiha for me is like at the table of contents of the entire Quran. You know how like a table of contents summarizes everything in a book? Fatiha is the table of contents of the entire Quran. So if you understand Fatiha, it's got to be there, right? So if it's in Fatiha, it's there in the Quran, okay? And that's why, subhanAllah, you know, if you think about it, like even in Salah, you're supposed to, like let's say you're praying Dhuhr now. So in Salah, what do we recite first? Fatiha and then what? Any other ayah, any other surah, right? What's the, signic what's the significance of that? Yeah, but the way to look at it, it, for example, you know, there's some ayat about like killing the disbelievers wherever you find them. Is it haram to read those ayat in, the, in your salah? What do you think? No. 
Of course it's not haram, it's the Quran, guys. Okay, so you can recite those ayat. But if you recite them just like that, what will the hearer start thinking? Start getting doubts, right? So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala made it compulsory for us to first read Fatiha so that, so that we look at those ayat of killing the disbelievers you find them from the lens of what? Fatiha. So Fatiha is your lens. And in Fatiha, Allah starts off by saying, Bismillah ar-Rahman ar-Rahim. Ah, so mercy, love and care is extremely important. Okay? Now, and then he goes on and says, Alhamdulillahi Rabbil Alameen ar-Rahman ar-Rahim. Again, ar-Rahman ar-Rahim, mercy, love and care, compassion. Okay? So now your lens is being stored with what? Mercy, love, care, compassion. Okay? And so now when you read kill the disbelievers wherever you find them. Will you have anger in you? Will you want to go blow yourself up to kill the disbelievers? No. Because you read it from the lens of Fatiha. So it gives you the right frame of mind. That ah, that probably was at the time of war where there was no injustice being done. It was something that had to be done for the sake of the better good. Okay? There was a bigger good out there. Maybe there's some context. You, got, you guys get my point? So when you read the Quran without fat, the Fatiha lens in mind, it can sometimes misguide you. Whereas Fatiha is that lens with which when you read anything in the Quran, it will make sense to you because it, you see it from that lens of Fatiha. Yes? Yeah, exactly. Second question on that, I was wondering, like, how do you say, like, Yeah, so I don't blame the doubters, honestly. Honestly, I don't blame the doubters because, honestly, we, we haven't really understood what ibadah means. So, we ourselves have these doubts. Right or no? So, they have every right. But if they're seekers, actually, if these guys are seekers, I would actually, like, be impressed with these guys. Because the one who seeks the truth, will he eventually get there? Yeah, it's guaranteed from Allah. Okay? But there are some doubters who just like to doubt anything. They're just critical about anything. You give them evidences, this, that, they don't want to listen, they just want to doubt. Those, you know, you know, and there's recently like, a, you know, an XY student who uh, his parents called me up and they're like, you know what? Our son has doubts about Islam. And he stopped praying until those answers are, uh, until those questions are answered. So I spoke to this guy. You probably know him also. I won't mention his name, of course. Okay. But um, the guy left Islam, basically. He's like, there's certain contradiction, like you're saying, in the Quran. And he's a wise student. Okay. So I spoke to him. This, uh, you know what my conclusion was? My conclusion was this guy has a girlfriend, right? And he's just... So it's not about real doubts. He's not a seeker of the truth. He actually wants to enjoy life. Okay? He's actually from these guys here. He wants to enjoy life. He wants to you know, justify his... Or, or he wants to enjoy life and use some fake doubts, excuses to not pray. It's a smart way, right? Smart trick of shaitan. So he's not genuinely looking for answers. So if I gave him answers, you know how many doubts he had? He said he has like 20 doubts. So doubt number one, 
Okay, we clarified it. He's like, yeah, but I have 19 more. And then we clarified too, yeah, 18 more. What does that show you? Is he really genuine? No, he wants to party. This guy wants to party. He's not interested. He's just engrossed in his shahawat, right? His desires and temptations. And he's just using doubts. He just probably went on some website, you know, some anti-Islam website. What are the top 20 contradictions in the Quran? Memorize them so that he can use it against his parents. So they, they stop bothering him about, please go pray. Please go to wise. Read Quran. Halas. He ended that with some fake doubts. Why? Because his real goal is partying and enjoying life. You see? So that's another trick of shaitan. And most doubters, I would say 99% of doubters are actually of this group. They don't really genuinely have that thirst for the truth and they're willing to listen. This is maybe 1%. And by the way, Ibrahim was of these guys. Right or no? If you think about it. He would question, ah, the moon is my god. No, 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 wait a second. No, the star, that star is my god. No, the sun is my god. And then he reached a conclusion gradually. So he was a seeker. And eventually he got to the truth. Okay? Yeah, true seeker. And when, he, when these people, when they seek the truth and they find it, then they're willing to challenge even their own fathers in the house. Yeah, because his father was manufacturing all the idols. He even broke the idols to prove his point. When nobody listened, what did he do? He left home. He was kicked out of his house. But the, the truth for him was so, so much bigger than even his own father. And he left. Okay? So that's what we call like yaqeen, right? These are the people who have actual yaqeen. That's why a lot of non-Muslims who are seekers, when they become Muslim, what happens to them? They're like super good Muslims, right? They're the ones who are like the best da'is. Why? Because they're genuinely like convinced to have this yaqeen. They're not just born Muslim. Yaqeen, they have a certainty that no doubt the Quran is the word of God. And you know, they, these are the people who are crying in their salah and they're like really passionate about this deed. Okay? So, um, where were we talk what were we talking about? Something to do with uh, ibadah, yeah? Okay, so Fatiha, yeah, yeah. So, 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 you know, time's running out, but I need to start. Okay. So, Fatiha has basically introduction to Allah in the beginning. Okay? Which is what? Bismillah ar-Rahman ar-Rahim, Alhamdulillah rabbil alameen, ar-Rahman ar-Rahim, Malik yawmiddin. That's the intro. Okay? Second part. Iyaka na'bud wa iyaka nastani. Iyaka nastani. And then, this is a statement that we're making, and then there is a dua. Alright? What's the dua? Ihdira salat al-mustaqeem. Salat al-adhiyyan This is basically what Fatiha is. So, an ibadah is mentioned in Fatiha. But it's mentioned in context, in the, in the context of seeking help also. Okay, so this gave me some clues on maybe what ibadah is and what, you know, what we're talking about here. But what also gave me clues is right? So we're asking Allah for guidance, okay? Guidance. And there's the straight path. Sirat 
Al-Mustaqeem. So you know what Sirat means in the Arabic language? Straight path. And if you read the translation, what will it say? Oh Allah, guide us to the straight path. Right or no? Let's verify that. Does anyone have a Quran app? Pull out a translation of Ihdina Sirat Mustaqim. Does anyone have one? None of you has a Quran app in your phones? You have games and calculators, you don't have Quran app? Astaghfirullah. Okay. Anyway, it's okay. So guide us to the straight path. Okay? Which is, wait a second. That's just a Sirat. What's the dua? Ihdina Sirat Al Mustaqim. No one ever translates Mustaqim. No. Okay? And so that's where that was the clue then. Wait a second. This path is the path of Mustaqim. Okay? Straight path of Mustaqim. So what does Mustaqim mean? The word qiyam is involved here. Mustaqim actually means upright. So it's a straight path that makes you upright. Have you ever heard this translation? No, okay, but that's what the language suggests. Sirat mustaqim, that makes you upright. It also means like the path is going upwards towards Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. But what does upright mean? And that's basically what I want to talk to you about. Okay. Qiyam in the Arabic language actually means values. You guys heard what values means before? What are values? What are values? Has anyone talked to you about values before, like in school or? Yeah, but in school, Islamic school. Huh, guys? You guys know what values are even? It's not what you are, it's what you value. Like what's valuable to you. Okay? And uh, not really morals. Morals is right and wrong. Values is what you value. Like, uh, uh, by the way, everyone has different values. I have values. Shaheen has different values. Maria has different values. Hassan has different values. And are there right and wrong values? No. Values are all nice. Okay. But... I think, honestly, I mean, we don't have time to finish, but I think, wallahi, this is the biggest deception of shaitan, is that he has completely wiped out values from our understanding of ibadah. Okay? Let me tell you why. Okay? And then Allah goes on and says, This is the path of those who are always happy. They're living in na'im. What does na'im mean? An'amta. Naim is eternal joy, happiness, inner peace, and contentment and comfort. This is the description of those people who live on this path. The straight path of values. Okay, I'm, I'm giving like a rough translation. Because values make you upright as a character. Okay? And, and when you live a life of values you will get that inner peace and happiness. Remember the question we, we asked earlier? Is that in that model of ibadah, what was missing emotionally? What? 
What was missing emotionally? No, then that model where Allah was the center and you live a life of worshiper. What was the problem with that? Yeah, happiness was missing. I asked you guys and you said, yeah, you're right, brother. You know, really not, I mean, it makes nice sense, but practically we can't really apply it. So my conviction today, wallahi, is that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gave us this deen and the books and the prophets and everything to ultimately give us the extreme version of like happiness and inner peace, which is paradise, right? That's what paradise, that's why Allah created paradise, right? What are your emotions going to be in paradise, in akhirah? Happy, inner peace, joy, and you know, wealth and you know, provisions and health and everything, right? You don't, you don't get sick, families are going to be with you, joy, like it's extreme happiness of everything, okay? And so I believe today, and I have no doubt about this, right? That Allah gave us the Quran and the books and the prophets to guide us to paradise on earth before akhirah. So you live in, live in the paradise of dunya as well as paradise of akhirah, which is what? A win-win situation. Okay? What was the old definition of ibadah doing with our lives? Lose, win. It's okay, brother. You read Quran, come to wise. I know you're bored, you're sad, this, but it's okay. Be patient. It's okay. Be patient and inshallah in Jannah, Allah will compensate you with hur al-ain and you know drinks and pleasures okay you guys know what hur al-ain is no the 70 virgin wives and all that kind of stuff yeah okay so it was always like you know what whenever you have misery whenever you have sadness in this world what was the drug that was given what was the drug that's always given to cover up that sadness? Not cocaine. <laughs> What's usually told to you when, you're, when, when you try something, it doesn't work. When you fail, when a problem happens to you. Be, be patient, right? It's okay. Sister, be patient. What else, are, what else is said to you? You use... Uh, you'll get better inshallah, right? Inshallah. Okay? Inshallah is a nice one also. Inshallah, things will be okay. And another one is, like, let's say you want to really become a doctor, right? And you study hard and all of that and you fail. What, what do people tell you? Very good. What do they say? It's for, maybe Allah has better plans for you, right? Maybe Allah has better plans for you. Okay? So it's not your destiny, basically. Allah has written something better for you. So for all your failures, for all your miseries, there is this constant drug that's given. Inshallah, things will get better. Do they ever get better? Be patient. It's going to be alright. It's this constant drug, right? Destiny, it's okay. It's not written for you. Allah has something better for you. Don't worry about it. Inshallah in akhirah. Okay? You see a problem with this? No? You've gotten so used to hearing this that you don't see a problem with this. Okay? The problem with this is what happens to your emotions? 
Do you ever get happy? Because it's a drug. It's a drug, right? And the drug has temporary solutions, right? Eventually, you're going to go back to sadness. They give you a drug, patience. Listen to a lecture about patience. Inshallah, you feel better. Listen to a lecture about Jannah, you get better. Listen to a lecture about the struggles of the Sahaba, and you get better. Right or no? Ah, I'm building that curiosity now, okay? But I want you to, like, tell me if what I'm saying makes sense or not. Yes, a lot or no? Okay? So you, you listen to a lecture about, like, the struggles of the prophets and the struggles of the Sahaba and compare that to your life. I mean, you know, the sacrifices they made. Right or no? What's the problem with this? Will you ever be happy in life? You always have to just be patient, 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 patient. Which means that what's being sold to us was the lose-win version of Islam. You guys agree or no? Yeah? Am I making sense? And, and do you believe that Allah wants you to lose in dunya and akhirah? Does it make sense to you? It didn't make sense to me. Why, why does it make sense to you? What's your delil? What's your proof? Without a shadow of a doubt, what's your delil? I have a delil. I just told you the delil. Thank you, Abdul Aziz. Surah Al-Fatiha, guys. Remember I told you all the answers to the questions are where? In Surah Al-Fatiha. So in Surah Al-Fatiha, Allah says, he, Allah wants us to ask Him for the path of values. I, I didn't answer values what it means, right? Maybe next class we'll do that. But this path of values is gonna give you na'im. Okay? That's my delil. Is it a big delil or a small delil? It's huge. Why? Because we're reciting this 17 times every day. And it's in Fatiha. And it's at the core of the dua. And you know, غير مغضوب عن ولا ضالين are those who are depressed, those who are angry, those who are sad, right? So something didn't make sense about this whole thing. And so I knew that the secret maybe is somewhere in this values thing, which we have no clue about, right or no? Because it's Surat al-Mustaqim. And by the way, I did a Google, not a Google search, but a search in the Quran for. Surat, right? In the, in, the, uh, in the Quran. And it, like, there was like over like 15 times mentioned Surat Mustaqim, Surat Mustaqim, Surat Mustaqim, Surat Mustaqim, Surat Like, whenever Allah mentions Surat, He mentions Mustaqim. It's like you can't, you can't be on the path if there's no values, basically. It's the path of value. You can't separate the two, you see? So, um, Inshallah, we'll talk about values next class, but I'll just give you some heads up, okay? Some heads up. So values are a thing that you... And by the way, in the West, values is a huge thing. Companies establish their visions based on values, okay? All, all, like, what's the value of uh, Facebook? Connecting people to one another, right? What's the value of Google? Organizing the world's information accessible for everybody, right? So for them, that's what's important. What do you see in common? What's Apple's values? 
excellence, right? Quality, excellence, simplicity, design, right? Ihsan, basically. What, what do you find common with all these values? Serving society, benefiting society. There's some good, okay? And are they all the same or different? Different. So there's each one of these companies is serving humanity in different ways. Is there one way to serve humanity? No, there's different ways of serving. And so values is all about what you value and then how you can use this to benefit others. Now, check this out. So, I, you know, I want to look at what values are in the Quran. Like, how do we connect values to Quran? If Quran is such a big deal, uh, values are such a big deal, like Surat Mustaqim, this is the path I want to be on, it's got to be somewhere in the Quran. Where do we get our values from? And this is the big one. Any clues? Where do we get our values from? Who is the ultimate source of all values? Allah. So where do we get our values from? Very good. His beautiful names and attributes are actually the sources of all values of humanity. Asma'ullah al-Husna. And by the way, they're not 99. Okay. I mean, the exact number, I think it's 72 or something, but my laptop died, but I, I could have showed you. In the Quran, Allah's attributes are, especially the singular, because there are certain attributes which are combined, right? Like Dhul Jalali wal Ikram, this is like an attribute, but uh, it's not one word. So the one word attributes of the Quran are not 99. 100%. Like, and there's certain things that are taught to us, like that are of the 99 names that are, you, will not, you will not find in the Quran. Like Al Shafi, have you heard of the word Al Shafi? Especially when you get sick, they say, ah, al-shafi, ya shafi, de mafi. You know, you heard this? Yeah? In Pakistan, they say that. And shafi does not exist in the Quran, guys. Okay? So another thing that's just passed on to us and we believe it without verifying. Okay? So check your sources. And what's the ultimate source, Quran? Okay? So, values, mustarat mustaqim, are connected to asma'ullah. And every single one of you has what we, what we call core values. So, you know, if I was to tell you to write down like 30 values that you have, you're all going to write down 30 values, okay? But out of the 30, there's three or four values that are special to you. And when you start living your life with those values, that is the ultimate form of ibadah that will give you happiness in this world and in the next. And by the way, when you live, part of this happiness is that Allah will shower rizq to you, health, all sorts of goodness. Like Allah will take care of that. You have to just do what? Live by the values which is just do that and Allah will take care of the rest what do most people do they run after money and you know all that kind of stuff they run after the risk 
right? Yeah, they don't, they don't do what they're supposed to do. They're not running after the values. They're running after the money and everything else. They're missing the point. Allah says, wait a second. I didn't create you to run after money. I created you to fulfill your values. And I will take care of the rest. And you want to you wanna hear something crazy? Like in, you know, Surah Al-Dhariyat, when Allah talks about the ultimate purpose of humanity. وَمَا خَلَقْتُ الْجِنَّ وَالْإِنسَ إِلَّا لِيَعْبُدُونَ I have neither created the ins and the jinn. Except to worship me, right after that, Allah says, مَا أُرِيدُ مِنْهُمْ مِنْ رِزْقٍ وَمَا أُرِيدُ أَنْ يُطْعِمُونَ I don't want any risk from them. I don't want them to feed me anything. Which, so indirectly, Allah is reminding us, listen, ibadah is not about money and all that. إِنَّ اللَّهَ هُوَ الرَّزَّاقِ Allah says, I am the razzaq. So you guys take care of ibadah, I'll take care of your rizq. And so Allah is clarifying that ayah that, wait a second, risk is not your job. You just live by values. I will take care of your risk. Now what is 99% of humanity doing? They're running after money and worldly things, right? What are most students looking for in terms of careers? Careers that make you money. What are most people doing in terms of searching for jobs? Jobs that give you money, right? And what are most people eventually living their lives as? Sad or happy? Sad because they're running after the wrong thing. Okay? Allah says, come and live with my values. I'll take care of everything. But to, to really like, um, to really live by this, what do you need? To, to live this lifestyle, like what do you need? Two things. What do you say? Faith. Very good. Faith. Like unshakable faith, right? Because it doesn't make sense logically. Does it make sense logically? Does it? Logically, it makes sense. No, run after money, Habibi. You want to buy a Ferrari? You have to go work hard. Right? You heard this or no? To become a millionaire, you have to work extremely hard. Right or no? What I'm telling you is, no, Sirat al-Mustaqim is super easy. Just live with values and everything will be sorted out super easily. But what do you need? You need two things, unshakable faith and whose help? Allah's help, which is summarized in this statement here. Oh Allah, I have unshakable faith in you and I need your help. Nobody else's help. And with these two, I will be able to achieve these. And no force in the world can stand in my way because I have whose help? And I have unshakable faith in Him. Here's where you're actually testifying. Ya Allah, I'm willing to, do, to worship you in this way. So worship is now connected to yaqeen, unshakable faith, reliance on Allah. So what happens to your self-confidence now? Boosted like 100 times because who, who's with you now? Allah, right? And then you are on your way to live a life of Naeem. And when does this Naeem start? Now, very good. Now, instantly. The moment you realize your core values and you start, you, you put the car in drive, 
instant access to paradise. It's not about results. We don't ask Allah for results here. We ask Allah to get us on the, on the path, right? So it's about getting on the path. Most people are off the path. Most people are on wrong paths. When you go get on that path and you see your values, you see Asma'ullah and you see that happiness and you, you get on the road and you start moving because action is part of it. Okay? You're not going to sit at home and dream about values and eat popcorn and everything will come, showering down. No. There's going to be action. But it's going to be easy because it's Salat al-Mustaqeem. A straight line, simple, easy. No complications. Okay? And so that's what we're going to do next class. So next class, we're going to discover your core values, which will probably be one of the most important lessons of your life. Okay? So get your notebooks and pencils. I don't want laptops. It's got to be paper. Okay? Next class, you discover your core values. Do not miss this class. Even if you're sick, I don't know what. You know, like take some uh, extra, um, you know, drugs or whatever just to come to class. <laughs> All right? So I'll see you next week. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh.